Amen. Well, glory to God. It's time to do it again, huh? I feel a lot better, stronger in my body tonight. Uh, just enjoy the Word of God. And, uh, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, uh, uh, people that, uh, that, you know, there's always people that help, help us get where we're at. And, you know, as most of you know, Pastor Rothwell, I, I said I transitioned uh, into the church that he pastored for 30 years, but he wasn't just a transitioning pastor, you know. Uh, he's my daddy. He's my spiritual father. He's been there. He put me in a pulpit for the very first time. That means this was the man that, that uh, allowed me to preach in his pulpit before any other man did, and I'm forever grateful for that, forever grateful. 29 years ago this coming next month, 29 years, and uh, it's amazing how fast time has gone. Those 29 years, I'm still thankful, Dad. Thank you. And uh, I, I tell people, after 29 years, a person ought to preach a lot better than what they do, but uh, we're going to try our best to continue to work on some things. Amen? All right, you get a Bible? Amen. All right, here's a, here's a good thing. <clears throat> There's only one thing worse than a boring preacher. Can you tell me what that is? A boring congregation. <clears throat> so... Uh, <laughs> that's only one thing worse so I, I promise you tonight if you're not boring I promise I'll do my best to not be boring how's that alright is that fair if you say amen I might preach a little bit better if you're waiting to get out to watch the basketball game or to go to wherever your favorite eating joint is you know uh, it may be a little longer but so uh, make sure you stay in there so I remind our people all the time the only thing worse than a boring preacher is a boring congregation, all right? So uh, let's just go together. I want to I go back to the verse I read last night for a foundation verse. We're not going to preach from it. It's hard to read it without uh, saying some things, but I want to move on into some other areas. So go with me again tonight to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> Matthew's Gospel, 16. Uh, I wanna, I've been, last night I talked about identity. And, uh, of course, I went to some different directions about identity. Uh, there's, I want to tie something in tonight, you know, just for my heart is just so full of some things that I want to talk about. I want to talk about revelation on how to solidify revelation in your heart. I wanted to deal with some aspects of meditation, but I don't know if I'll get there in that aspect because one thing meditation does, uh, if you've never really noticed what it does, meditation builds capacity. It's like anything else builds capacity for, for faith. It builds capacity for revelation. And so meditation is a capacity builder. And the more you meditate on the word of God, it builds capacity uh, for you to obtain greater revelation and different things like that. Uh, so I don't know how much I'll get into that, as that aspect of it, but I want us to look at the revelation <clears throat> tied with the identity part again, and then uh, how our identity brings us more into a confidence of positional truth with God. And I'll, I'll show you how that works in a minute. <clears throat> All right, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 17, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say you are John the Baptist, some Elias, other Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He didn't say you're Jesus. That was common knowledge. 
Uh, he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. A little warm in here tonight than it was last night. I'm going to shed this priestly garment. Amen. And, um, oh, that's a little better. Um, he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That means you are the Messiah. You are the anointed one. It's the anointing that's upon you that is going to set us free. The anointing upon you is the anointing that's going to lift the burdens. It's the anointing that's going to destroy the yokes. And so Jesus looked at him and said, Simon, flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. For upon this rock... Talking about this, this revelation, upon this rock, I will build my church. And I, I mentioned it, it's not just a natural rock. It's not just Jesus being the rock, but it's the revelation, the rock of revelation, we call it. And upon this rock of revelation, I'll build my church. And that's when God began to speak to me and said, it's just not upon this revelation, excuse me, but it's upon all revelation that he will build his church. And I believe that's where we need to be is revelation. I was preaching in a church in Indiana, and I was standing on the platform ready to preach, and, and uh, last night I told you three words came to me, uh, compromised, penalized, and paralyzed. I was sitting there, standing on the platform ready to preach, and I heard this in my heart. Uh, uh, meditation, this is where I got the word, that, where I got it from. Meditation brings revelation. And I just kept hearing that over and over. Meditation brings revelation. And then I, then I heard this come up my spirit just right after, after I meditated that for a while. I heard meditation brings revelation. When revelation shows up, it brings manifestation. And so when I begin to tie all this together, meditation brings revelation. Revelation brings the manifestation. And then I, I wanted to dig into that because I wanted to become life unto me. It, it's, it's not just hearing it. It's not being able just to preach it. I wanted it to become life unto me so I'd be able to get results from it. A lot of people can tell you the word of God and quote it, but they can't get it to work for them. You know, I've, I've been hearing some things lately and I, uh, I bring correction to it the best I can, only to people that I have the right to bring the correction to. But uh, people say things like, you know, somebody that's not even born again or somebody that's, that's been saved and has backslid for years and, and a family member will say, well, I tell you what, about my son, he truly knows the word of God. Uh, no, he doesn't. I'd just be bold and say, no, he doesn't. If he did, he'd walk in it. Now, he may have a head knowledge of it where you've taught him, but he doesn't know it. Because if you know it, it's going to bring life to you, and you're not going to live that life you're living. You're going to really believe that this life is going to lead me to destruction. It's going to bring me to a place of death, and I'm not going to want a part of that. Now, we have understanding. We have what we call mental assent to it. But to know something in your heart, when you know it, and you know it because you know it, it becomes life to you, that's what's going to compel you to live in it. <clears throat> now, I'm not saying they don't have an understanding. I've listened to people who can quote it and quote it and quote it. But when it becomes life to them, they no longer want it just to be something they quote. It, wants to be, it has to become something they live in. Amen? And so this is what we're talking about. Upon revelation is what God wants us to have is this revelation in our life. Amen? He wants revelation to show up in our life. Now, I want you to go tonight. I want to just get right into this because I know that we're, uh, we're on the time frame. There's a Korean church comes in tonight for service. And, uh, but we want God to have plenty of time to do what he wants to do. And I want him to minister in the altars if that's what he chooses. But I, I want to go to something that began to change my life. And uh, I want to share tonight. And now I want you to find it with me out of Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I want to look at this, this identity tied with position. 
There's two things that God began to deal with me on, and that is two words, occupational identity and positional identity. Occupational identity and positional identity. I'll explain that while you're looking. Your occupation is, you know, uh, where it says, uh, talking about your vocation. Let me use the word, it said occupation, let me use the word vocation. The Bible says, be faithful in the vocation wherewith you're called. Now, there's some things that I cannot change. I wasn't there when he called me to the ministry and put a five-fold gift inside of me. I wasn't there to say, I like it or don't like it. You know, I've never tried to be somebody else. If I, you know, someone asked me one time, are you a prophet? I was, I was with uh, uh, David Shipman uh, doing a meeting in his church, and his wife asked me one night. We was getting ready to have dinner, and she says, uh, Brother Ken, are you a prophet? I said, why do you ask? She says, well, you're so accurate when you pray for people and when you speak to people, so accurate. I said, no, dear, never have been. As far as I know, I never will be. I've never known, I've never known that. It's just something that, that comes upon you at times, but I've never seen myself in the gift of a prophet. Now, a lot of people, if you could choose your gift, a lot of people like that, amen? But, you know, I, I can't choose my vocation. You didn't choose your vocation. You, you didn't do it. That's God put that in you, Amen. amen? But at the same token, there's another area that I do have something to do with, and that is understanding my location. That is who I am in Christ, my identity, and where I'm seated with him in heavenly places. Authority doesn't come just because you're prophet, apostle, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Authority comes based upon your location and not just because of your vocation. Have you ever seen some evangelists more anointed than others? Some pastors flow different. Some prophets have it different in the apostles. So if it was all based upon vocation, then every apostle would have the same kind of anointing. Every prophet would have the same kind of anointing. Every teacher would have the same kind of anointing or, or the same kind of revelation. And every pastor would have the same similar kind of anointing. But your vocation can only go as far as the revelation of your location. Now, I want you to get this. If you want God to truly use you and you want your vocation to excel, then you have to get a greater understanding and a greater desire. It's not about just my vocation. I have got to do something about my location with God. There's people that are not even in the five-fold ministries that know how to get into the realm of the Spirit and know they're seated in heavenly places that can, that can get more accomplished in the heavens than some preachers and, uh, and people in the five-fold ministry. They can get more accomplished because it's not your vocation that accomplishes it. It's your location with God. And, and knowing that the power you have uh, that comes from Him is what gives you the ability to do what you do. The revelation that I walked in doesn't come just because of my ministry vocation. It came because of what I did and the time I spent with God in the location area. Are you with me? I, uh, I, I, I don't want to rush. There's so many things going on in my heart, but I want to get this. Uh, several years ago, I was doing a meeting in, in East Texas. and what In East Texas. And uh, I went there for a week meeting, and the power of God just broke out into place. And my good friend says, you know, I just don't believe we ought to cancel this meeting. And so I stayed another week. 
And I had meetings in Louisiana following that. I had meetings in Florida following that. So I called them and said, I'm going to push everything back. And, uh, and so at the end of the second week, I'm talking about at midnight, we're still at the altars. Uh, it's in a rougher area of town. Gang members were coming off the street, coming up, falling down by the power of God right in the altars. I mean, in two weeks, I never finished one sermon. People came to the altars and began to fall down and cry. I never preached one full sermon in two weeks. I was convinced that God didn't care what I had to say for two weeks. <laughs> Apparently, he had no interest in what I wanted to preach for two weeks. And so at the end of the two weeks, uh, I, I, uh, he said, we just got to go on. So I called and changed my ticket. I flew in. I called Northwest and changed my tickets. Only $75 change fee then. No other added cost. So I took some free miles I had, and I flew my wife, Angel, down uh, to the meeting. And she spent, I picked her up Friday in Dallas, and she spent all day Saturday and Sunday in the meeting. I took her back to the airport on Monday. And I stayed another full week, the third week. And uh, after that third week, he said, we've got to go another week. I mean, I've never been in anything like this in my life. This was the most supernatural thing I've ever seen. I'm talking about, uh, I'll never forget this girl came in with a broken toe. I mean, it was broke. And, and I mean, I laid hands on her and the power of God got on that toe and it began to shake and twist and all of a sudden pop. And I mean, it was just normal. I, some of the most unusual manifestations you can think about happened in that five-week meeting. And, uh, but at the end of the fourth week, Going into the fifth week, I called the airlines. They said, well, the tickets went up, so it's $75 plus 300 So I told Ron, I said, what I'll do is I'll fly home. And I'll drive back, not knowing what we need to do. Because I had to go to Louisiana and Florida anyway now. So I flew home. Left all of my stuff there, just what I needed. And I got in Saturday. I left Saturday, and I came home. And, and uh, got up Sunday morning as my wife and my little daughter, as they went into church, I got in my car and drove back to East Texas. I was just about an hour outside of Little Rock on Interstate 40 when it just seemed like the power of God just came into my car. I'm praying. I said, God, I've never been here before. I don't know what to do. If it was all based upon vocation, then I, it would be natural to me. But it wasn't just vocation. There was a place in God I had to find there's an intimacy, there's a part in God that I had to get, I had to, I had to increase my identity in now. And there's things in, there's things in the heaven that I, I want to understand because this is beyond vocation. This is all about working with the Father in the things of the Spirit. Are you with me? You understand? And I said, Lord, I've, I've got to know you. I've got to know more about you. I've got to understand this. I, I don't even know how to help the people. I, I just feel, I feel like I just don't know what to say or share. And it's as if on the inside of me I heard this. He said, remember? And I remember where I was at in Tulsa when he spoke to me. He said, I told you if you would read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the book of Acts on your knees. Three times in the next 30 days, you'll see me in a light that you've never seen me before. You will know me in a way you've never known me. And so I, I took my little calculator out of my little console that I added mileage up with. And I went, you know, I'm a little, I went Matthew chapter 28, you know, you know, 28 chapters, you know, Luke. And, and I went all the way down, you know, to, to Acts 28 chapters. I, I, I timesed it by three and divided it by 30 days. And I said, I'll have, to read, I'll have to read 12 chapters a day to do this, but I can't just read it to get the reading in. It's not a promise book thing now. 
It's not fulfilling the requirement. I'm on a quest now because I've got to have something I never had. Because I'm involved in something I've never been involved in. I, I, I want... I want, a, I want to know God greater than I've ever known him, and that's got to be a desire and a cry of people's hearts. This can't come up on you by laying on of hands. I can't lay hands on people for this desire. The, I mean, in an atmosphere like this, it can get in you, but you've got to get a desire inside of you that I'm going to push everything else aside. It's not about my vocation anymore. It's all about my location. It's about the revelation of who I am and where I'm seated in heavenly places. And so I got to... The church the next day, on Monday, I, I spent the night in Little Rock, and I got up early Monday morning, and we were starting back Monday night again. And above the church, there was evangelist quarters, and I went up there, and I began to kneel down by the bed, and I started reading right there in the genealogy of Matthew chapter 1. And in about, you know, two weeks into that, I couldn't find a pillow soft enough for my knees. But I just kept reading, and when I'd find myself, I'd go back and I'd reread it because I wasn't trying to just get through the chapters. And I'll never forget 30 days later, I'm in a little motel. I mean, this thing wasn't much of a motel in a place called Vernon, Florida, doing a meeting. I mean, a place I had to go buy candles just to put in a hotel room because it stunk so bad just to change the scent of the room. I mean, it was just in a, a bad area. But I remember at the foot of that bed, as I knelt down there, when I read those last verses, the most supernatural encounter that I've ever experienced came in there. And from that point on, it just seems like understanding of Jesus, understanding the Christ and my identity and, and getting revelation from the word of God. It, it wasn't a struggle anymore. It wasn't reading the Bible and saying, my God, I don't understand this. I'm talking about it's as if the windows of heaven, revelation begin to rain down inside of my spirit. It didn't come by sleeping on the Bible and call it osmosis. It was something that, it, it just took a 30-day commitment just based upon God. And it opened something up in me that I never had before. A 30-day commitment. That's all it was. Well, I did it again. Hey, if it's not, I mean, if it worked that well, I'm doing it again. And uh, so I, I, I read them through again. Because now I tasted of it. I tasted of this. So I want you to understand that there's, there's a location that you operate from that you can get things accomplished that you can't get accomplished anywhere else. All right? Let me see if I can get th through some of this. In Ephesians 1, verse 3. You know, Paul talks about his apostle, you know, according to the will of God. Verse 3 said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. He's blessed us with what? All spiritual blessings. Where? In heavenly places in Christ. Spiritual blessings? Heavenly places, in, in Christ. I mean, they're, they're, they're in him. That's where, that's where the blessing is. They're in Christ. And so, uh, you know, when you look at this, uh, if somebody offered, if I called uh, Pastor Darrell and I said, uh, the Lord just spoke to me to give you a, uh, a brand new car, would that be a natural blessing or a spiritual blessing? Natural. A natural blessing. Yes. 
If, if somebody uh, wanted to give me a uh, brand new plane, would that be a natural blessing or a spiritual blessing? Be a wonderful natural blessing. That would be a wonderful natural blessing. That's exactly right. But you know, this is where people get off at. See, see, I know all this prosperity message is a fluke because the Bible said he promised us spiritual blessings, not natural blessings, and the church is all about natural blessings, and, and uh, they're off track. But uh, there's a reason why they were spiritual blessings. The reason why they were spiritual because nothing natural existed yet. You can't get natural when natural doesn't exist. But you'll never get natural until you understand the Spirit because everything you have now comes out of there. I'll show you. They're in Christ. They're in heavenly places. According as he has chosen us in him himself. He chose us. Or the word chose uh, means he called us out. You've been called out. I've been called out. You've been called out. We were chosen. Not by accident. Matter of fact, I'll show you here. It pleased him to choose us out. All right? He called us out in himself. When? Before the foundation of the world. Now, before the foundation of the world, there wasn't any natural blessings. But what's good about this, before the world existed, God already called us out. He already designed a system for us. You know, somebody, I... I uh, I was in Uganda, and I had Brother Wayne with me. He's been traveling with me for 13, for this 12 years. I think he may be the 13th year going into it, traveling with me. And uh, I was in Uganda, and I was meditating upon positional things. And, uh, and this was just things that I was just meditating on and just thinking about it. And I said, uh, I, so I read the verse out of Philippians chapter 1. He which began a good work in you. How many knows that verse? 1-6. He which began a good work in you will complete it or perform it until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I begin to ask, when did he begin this good work in you? And uh, one pastor said, well, I, I, I believe, I believe when, I, when he called me to the ministry. Well, when did he call you? And he became a date. And, and uh, one person said, I believe it was when I got filled with the Spirit. And, uh, and somebody, you know, three or four different answers. I said, well, I can go back further than that. I can go back to Jeremiah. Jeremiah said that he knew me while I was still in my mother's womb. But I can go to Ephesians and go back further than Jeremiah. He knew me and called me out before the foundation of the world. Not just when I was in my mother's womb. I mean, he already knew us. Now, I'm going to talk about some words that people just kind of turned from. But I'm going to use some words here that the Bible uses like predestination. Where does it come from? If you don't get these words, you'll never understand the revelation of your identity and your position. So he called me out. He named me before the foundation world that I should be holy and without blame before him in love. That's why I don't live dirty. He had planned for me to live holy and, and clean before the foundation of the world. I don't understand this Christian uh, doctrine that you can just live any way you want to and still get it. It's not working. He said, who shall ascend to the mount of the Lord? Who shall come into his holy hill? Those with clean hands and those with a pure heart. That's the ones who are going to get it. Verse 5, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to his good pleasure of his will. Now, having predestinated us, what, what are you saying, Ken? Predestination, there, there, there's a predestination in the Calvinist doctrines. There's predestination in other doctrines. It doesn't matter what you do, you're predestined. But let me look at it a different way that that makes sense to me. 
You know, there's things where people say stuff like, I can understand how God can be such a God and, and God's going to send people to hell. You know, the truth of the matter is, when that day comes, God's not sending anybody. I'll explain to you why I say that. Nor is God deciding, you know, Daryl, you're in, Wayne's out. He's not going to make that decision that day. That decision is going to be made before that day. That decision was made when he placed everything here before the foundation of the world. He pre-planned. He pre-purposed. He pre-designed. Predestination. Pre is the beginning. Destination is where you're going to end up. This is where this is at. In the pre. The pre pre before the foundation of the world and the destination of where you're going to end up so your destination was decided before the foundation of the world also you're saying that if he didn't pre-design you in then you're not going to have the right destination no that's not what i'm saying here's what i'm saying god knew you remember john even made this statement when jesus came along the river uh, john, jesus looked john looked at jesus and said behold the lamb of god that was slain when from the foundation of the world Tell me God didn't already have the end already established from the beginning. Behold the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. So here's what it is. God said, I'm going to pre-design this system. I'm going to give you a small part of it. I'm going to pre-design a system. When man comes, man falls, man sins, I'm going to send the Redeemer, my son Jesus. He prophesied in Genesis 3. I'm going to send the seed of the woman. I'm going to send the Redeemer. And when they come, there's going to be a decision they're going to make. If they come and they accept the provision that I have provided through the spilt blood of my son, Jesus Christ, if they accept it and they live holy without blame, their destination is going to be heaven. If they come and they reject this and they do not walk in it, then their destination is going to be eternal darkness without me. I pre-designed this system. God's not going to choose that day. He pre-designed this plan. He pre-designed it if you tithe. The windows of heaven will be open and you'll be blessed. I mean, this is not a decision God makes on a daily basis. He pre-designed these things. He set them in as letting us spiritual laws into our life. He's not deciding. It's almost like, I wish God would decide to heal me. Folks, he already decided. It's, stamp, it's, it's stamped, sealed, and delivered. He's done everything already to give us what we need. It is all done before the foundation of the world. You know why? Because he knew man would blow it. He knew man would blow it. It'd almost be like this. It'd almost be like, you know, here, here's how man is. Pastor Harry would come up and say, you know, Ken, you got good brains, I got good money. You use your brains, and I'll use my money, and we'll, we'll accomplish the task together. I like it. I like all right? He's got money, I got brains. And all of a sudden, my brains gets me in trouble. And he thinks his money may not be worth investing in my brains anymore. Because I've made some pretty stupid decisions. He's got the ability to say, you know, I think the deal's off. I don't like how you're operating. I'm going to use Daryl's brains to invest my money in. So now I'm out because I've made dumb decisions. God, God knows everything. I can almost see this. I know man is going to be stupid and they're going to get stuck on stupid. So I'm going to establish this and I'm going to seal it before I make them, before I create it. And it's already going to be a done deal 
So God can't say, well, I'm going to withhold it now because I don't like how you're doing it. This system was put into motion, and I thank God for it. I thank God for it. Amen? Hallelujah. This was, this was already put into motion. All right? I'll, 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 re, I'll revisit that again here in a second. To the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace, his, his great riches, towards all the wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself, having made known unto us uh, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him, in whom we have, re- we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated, pre-designed, pre-planned, according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his will. Now, I want to go down here. Uh, this whole thing comes to the end. Let me just kind of give you something here. This whole thing comes to the end. I'm not used to people looking up, look, looking up on the screen. I'm wondering, you know, I'm used to people look, looking at me. Uh, I'm not... <laughs> I wonder, you know, I know they're hearing, but man, are they seeing angels or what are they seeing up here, you know? Uh, Glory to God. This whole thing is about this prayer, Paul prays. How many knows Paul prayed a prayer? Two prayers in Ephesians. And I'm going to go down ahead and I'm going to read this one phrase and I'm going to come back and explain something. Verse 17, after this is the prayer he prayed for the church at Ephesus. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, he didn't say pray for the knowledge. He said pray for wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. It's your responsibility to get knowledge. But you have to pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation gets in that knowledge. And the reason why he wanted to pray the spirit of wisdom and revelation... It wasn't just to pray for him because everything he said up to verse 16, he says, you cannot get it in your natural mind. You have got, this way he prayed this prayer for him. You have got to pray this prayer daily that you understand the spirit of wisdom and revelation about your position in me, about how I formed you before the foundation of the world, how I called you out by name, how I placed you and how I empowered you. And when I raised Christ from the dead, how I raised you from the dead and how I seated you together with him in heavenly places and, and, and everything that we're reading here. I'm gonna stop this other part, but this prayer, it becomes so important. And it's not just prayer praying his prayers for somebody. This prayer is, God, I need to understand this predestination. I need revelation on who I am in you. I want revelation of where I really am in heavenly places. I want to understand my seated authority. I want to understand that. And when I begin to pray these prayers, I wrote them on index cards. I've got the same index cards I wrote down probably 20 years ago. I kept them in my back pocket. I'd be at red lights and I'd read every prayer and I'd begin to read them all the time. Why? Because I wanted the revelation of my position in Christ I read them all the time I still got them they're sitting on my desk right now after all these years I still have them and so this is what he began to say we're seated together with him he gathered when Jesus died and was resurrected he gathered everyone in heaven and in earth everyone and he's brought us into himself and we're seated with him you know Ephesians 2 said now we're seated together with him 
And we understand that. But what does that look like in your mind? What does that look like? Because how it looks like inside of you is how you're going to receive it. I still hear people saying, I prayed, but it didn't seem like God heard my prayers. It just seemed like they didn't get any higher than the roof. Anybody ever heard anybody say that? Yes or no? Has anybody here ever said that? I used to say that. God, it just seems like the, the heavens are like brass. But when God gathered everyone together, I'll show you this. He brought us all together already in Christ. When I'm seated at the right hand of the Father, how am I seated at the right hand of the Father? I had this image in my mind somewhere that it was God the Father at the right hand, the Son, and all the way down the line, as far as you could see, is God's people. But I could, see, I, could only sell, I could only see myself way at the end because I never saw myself having the right to be any closer than that. And until you see yourself in him, you're not going to get your prayers answered the way you want to. You're going to be begging and praying. I understand why I can't get a breakthrough. I can't understand why I can't get healed because you don't understand what's really yours. Some of you are still praying that God heals you because you hurt. Or God wants to provide you money because you're still broke. God doesn't want you healed because you're hurt. God doesn't want you blessed because you don't have any money. He wants you this way because it pleases him. The other day and I walked with these symptoms in my body. I said, Father, you, you don't want me healed because I just hurt. You want me healed because it pleases you. You don't want me blessed just because I'm busted. You want me blessed because it pleases you. When you look at it in that way, it begins to change things about you that it's all about pleasing him. So when I, when I begin to see this, when I begin to pray this prayer and begin to see more into this, that he gathered together all in one, all in heaven and the earth, and when he went to sit down, he brought us all into himself, and when he sat down, we're all into him. Now, I'm, I'm in Christ. I'm not out there. I'm not there. I'm, all, I'm in him. I'm seated with him at the right hand of the Father, and, and my prayers don't have to reach the ceiling. I don't have to yell it and, and scream it because I, I'm position in Christ right next to the Father. I can whisper and he hears me. There's something about this position now that changes it. Now this is my heavenly position. This is where I live and this is where I move and this is where I have my being. See right now to you, I'm standing in this church right here in this platform. You see me. This is where I'm standing. Before I came out here and before I pray, I don't see myself standing here. I'm preaching from right here. Even though I'm there, I am speaking from here. When I'm praying hands and laying hands on the sick, I'm not just laying hands on them. Here, my physical body's here. But the authority in which I'm doing it, there's many times I've closed my eyes and I say, no, I'm not here. I am right here. This position, the revelation about my identity in him and where I'm located, it's just, it's just changed everything. It's changed everything. I remember when he began to deal with me, I was rent office, renting some office spaces in Inglewood about 20 miles west, uh, east of the church. That's where I, that's where I lived, this town I still live in. And uh, I had a friend a long time. He's been in ministry a lot longer than I had been. And, and he had called me, and I was renting buildings off of uh, Allstate 
insurance company. And uh, you came into the doors off the parking lot where the doors for, for our offices. And I was sitting in the desk here. I could see outside. And I got a call from his friend. And was talking to him and making small talk. And he was telling me about how he used to go through some of the darkest depression. <clears throat> and when he's sharing this, I knew in my heart he is in the midst of this. So I asked him, I said, how long has it been since you've gone through this? And he says, uh, he paused and got quiet. He said, I, I'm in it right now, worse than I've ever been in my life. And when he said that, I got up from my desk and walked around it. And I was facing the outside, the gla all glass door. I'm looking outside, I'm just talking to him. And when I was talking to him, the Spirit of God just kind of just rested upon me. And I said, I'm going to pray for you right now. And I began to pray, and I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I command this depression, and I command this oppressive spirit. And all of a sudden, I heard this, and inside of somebody stood behind me and went, <clears throat> Son, where are you at? Because I asked God to help me, to always remind me when I'm dealing with things, I don't want to just be another person praying in there. He said, son, where are you at? And I just stopped, and I just kind of went, thank you, Father. You're so good. I said that out loud. He went on the, other, on the other line. He don't know what's going on. Opened my eyes towards heaven. I said, Father, I thank you from that heavenly position, being in Christ Jesus. I come against this demonic demon operating through your son, your man, and I command it to leave him in the name of Jesus. Before I got done, God's my witness. I'm standing right here. He says, he interrupted my prayer. He says, what, what, what did you just do? It's, it's almost something snapped off of him. He said, what did you just do? I said, I just took authority over that. His exact words. He said, what? I said, I just took authority. Exact words. He says, apparently, I don't, apparently you understand something about authority. I don't. I didn't say nothing to him. I ask God to continue to help me when I'm praying. I don't, want to just, I don't want to just preach. I don't care about how well somebody thinks I preach. I want an anointing that's going to go in and do something. And therefore, it doesn't matter where I'm standing here. It's about where I'm preaching from there. That makes a difference. So this has nothing to do with vocation now. Come on. This has everything to do with location. This is the revelation that will begin to change what you do. It doesn't happen. You can't get here spending your life doing everything else but with God. See, I know what it is to be so wrapped up in ministry that I never did this. I preach so much. Folks, give you a, a, an idea. The year, that I, the year before I came to pastor this church, I preached over 300 sermons that year, 300 messages that year, 300 meetings from here and around the globe. I preached almost every night of the week. I was only averaged about seven or eight nights a month home. That's all I did. That's all I did. And, it, and you know, it's not because I was a good preacher. It's just that God opened doors. He opened doors. He just kept opening doors. 
Because I believe he wanted the anointing. He, he wanted people to understand their location. He wants them to understand it's not just about vocation. He wants them to understand they're seated in him in heavenly places. There's things about this that he wanted to know. I, I'm, I'm talking about this, 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 this avenue about this. Being, being from here, it's not, it's not just... It's not, just a, it's not just a location. And, and it didn't happen just because of, of, of all of the open doors. It's not just because I'm, I had a five-fold ministry gift. But I spent so much time preaching that I remember I got so wore down that all I did was pray just enough to get to the next meeting. I read just enough to get something else out of the Word of God. I mean, this was before all of this. I, 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 all I did was enough to get ready for the next day. And I remember when the, when the Spirit of God began to speak to me and said, Son, you do so much for me, but you do very little with me anymore. And that's when it began to break in me. He's not just concerned about how much I was preaching. He was concerned about how much time I was with him. That's when things really begin to open up. So about a week later, I'm at Brother Copeland's minister's conference. And uh, I think that was the trip that you were, we were together, David. And we're over there in his old sanctuary. He had some drinks and Orange juices and bear claws and, you know, donuts and all that good stuff. And I went over there to get some snacks as we got there, like 6 o'clock in the morning, standing in line to get a good seat. And my mother-in-law called me, and Madison, my, my little girl, she was just, you know, two or three, four years old, just small. She woke up, and she was sick that day. And uh, she said, call Daddy, and he'll pray for me. So they called me. And uh, I remember I got away from the little snack bar there, and I just leaned over. I don't know why I leaned over, probably as if I'm on talking to her, you know. But I could see myself doing it. And uh, I began to say, Maddie, Jesus loves you. He's your healer. And I just talked to her like I would a little, like little kids. And I said, now, Daddy's going to pray for you. Father, touch Maddie. I know she loves you, and I know you love her, and you want her healed. Now, this is just my daughter. I heard, <clears throat> son, where are you at? See, we can take for granted. We're just going through the motions sometimes. Son, where are you at? <clears throat> right there in that place with my little girl on the phone. Once again, I stopped and said, thank you, Father. You cared enough about my child and me that you're willing to do this every time. I prayed with a different anointing. I prayed with a different fervor. And I got a different result. See, that's where it's at. Folks, I, I know we're here from all different backgrounds, ministry. But here's what I'm going to ask you. Don't get so caught up in your vocation. Don't, don't just try to hang another shingle on what you've accomplished in the realm of vocation. You do everything you can to develop yourself in the realm of your location with God. You find yourself with the Father and you begin to cry out unto Him. Don't wait until bad news or a tough situation drives you to the presence of God. You, you get there because out of hunger of your heart, 
out of hunger of your heart. You, you get it there. This is all about this area right here. You know, I'm here, but I, I'm there. I'm there. And when I speak from there, it has a total different anointing and then when I speak from here. When I lay hands on people from there, I have a total different manifestation than when I do from here. And sometimes we can get distracted. If you pray for somebody in the aisle at Walmart, sometimes you can be looking around and wonder who's watching you, and you'll be so conscious of this environment that you won't have the anointing that you need that comes from that environment. Doesn't matter if you're an usher, if you're a parking lot attendant, if you're a teacher or a pastor or a missionary, it doesn't matter. Our location will always outweigh our vocation. Amen. If Bible colleges would focus more on getting people ready for their location instead of their vocation, we'd have more Holy Ghost anointed preachers ready today than we ever have before. So I realize that this is where we're at. Let me just take, can I, can, can I go five more minutes? Let me just get this prayer here. I, I just some things I want to I bring out. He prayed that the God would give us, pray that God would give you the spirit of wisdom, revelation, knowledge, fear, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, not yours, his. So you got to understand what it was. And it tells about it, how he, how he came and did this before the foundation of the world. So it's not your calling you need to pray about. It. It's the hope of his calling, What's, what he was meant to be. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding, not the exceedingly, exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. The exceeding of his great power. Or, or in essence, this word exceeding, uh, that means that you may know a power that exceeds greatness. So there is a great power of God, but he says when you understand this vocation, there is a power that exceeds greatness. You know, the only power people think about is dunamis power. They talk about dunamis power. But apparently, there is a power that, that exceeds a, a dunamis power. There's a power that exceeds. And what is the exceeding greatness or the power that exceeds greatness? In us or to us who believe according to working of his mighty power, which he wrought... In Christ, he, he, he brought this in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Now, he just said he gathered us all together in himself, didn't he? Now, watch this. The exceeding greatness of his power, or, or if you look at different translations and you break it down, it, it literally means that God reached down with his right hand and he exerted, one place said he exerted the fullness of his power. So when he raised Christ from the dead for three days, as, as Jonah was in the belly of the well, three days was the Son of Man in the heart of the earth. And on that third day when God raised him from the dead, it said he depleted or, or he used. It took power that exceeded greatness. And it took everything that he had to raise him up. Why? 
Why? Because let me just try this one on. He wasn't just raising up one son. He raised us all up together. I preached on Easter some years ago back, the day that you were resurrected. Not Christ, you. We know he's resurrected, but you were resurrected the day that he was resurrected. And being dead in trespasses and sin, he raised us up together to seat us with him in heavenly places. Now what happens? Now I got a little boy, little girl, kids. I got, I got four. I had three, now there's six. Little nieces. And uh, before that, there was only two of them. Then the third one came on. That's my wife's sister's little girls. But when I would get Josh or Maddie, when you little kids, you know how you raise kids up on your arm? And then when you raise one up and play, the other one wants to come and jump on it. You ever had that? Then you're doing that. Then the third one comes and you're just, <clears throat> if it was just Josh, you know, I'm all right. If it was just Jesus, he'd been all right. But it wasn't just Jesus. It was humanity. He raised us all up together. When he reached down and brought him up out of that, he gathered together in one, all in heaven and all that's in earth. He raised us up together and caused us to seat together with him in heavenly places. So why would I want to waste my strength in this location? When he exerted the fullness of his power for me to preach from this location. It just depends on where you want to spend your time, my friend. It's where you want to spend your time. Whatever you give yourself to, that's what you become. Whatever you give yourself to, that's what you become. And he set us far above all principalities and powers, might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but that world which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet, which if they're under his, now they're under ours, and gave him to be the head of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him. His body, the fullness of him. His body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Ad- revelation, identity, and position, three of the most important things that will catapult you into the next dimension of what God has for you. Would you stand with me this evening? Hallelujah. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I just feel like praying in the spirit a minute.